This episode is brought to you by Inland Green Capital. It's 8 a.m. on the Tuesday after Labor Day, which has become the unofficial return to office goalpost for the past three years running. On this C train heading from 50th Street to the Financial District, there's plenty of room, maybe 18 people in the carriage. No one's standing, really. There's plenty of spare seats. In the old days, when I used to take this morning train ride every day, you'd struggle for basic personal space. Office cheerleaders say now, as we head into fall, is when we will truly see a shift in the American working environment, with a robust return to desks. But whether that's really happening remains to be seen. And there's a groundswell of support for flexible working arrangements, grating against a new narrative of bosses who will no longer give their workers a long leash when it comes to where and when they work. This is BizNow Reports. I'm Miriam Hall, and today we're looking at the much-discussed Labor Day return to work and where the office is settling two and a half years into the pandemic. Marty Berger. Marty Berger is the CEO of Silverstein Properties, a company that owns 10 office towers in Manhattan, Philadelphia, and Los Angeles. At the World Trade Center, tenants include Group M, Spotify, Uber, and McKinsey. Last month, the company signed a massive deal with a law firm that's taking 180,000 square feet at Three World Trade. I think people are back. I mean, you feel it in New York City, the traffic is just, uh, you know, tremendous in getting from midtown to downtown and cross town. Um, you can see it in uh, the foot traffic, you can see it in the vehicular traffic, and, uh, and then we get building counts because of our uh, digital turnstiles. Uh, there's definitely been an uptick. Usually we, we've been in the high 40s to low 50s and that, those numbers are definitely upward now in the, I'd say mid to high 50s and I expect those to rise. And what I'm predicting was that by the end of this year, it'll be in the 70s uh, to probably close to 80%. You're never at 100%. But it hasn't been a huge jump, right, since the summer, you said, so it's like 40s to 50s? So, I, you know, it, today is Thursday, so it's only been the third day back. You know, we've seen remarkably, you know, much higher numbers in the last three months, so. Are you surprised that it's taken this long? It's unexpected, but, you know, we were surprised that COVID took you know, as long as it was going to take. So nothing surprises me anymore. Like many real estate companies in the city, Silverstein brought its employees back to the office early, as soon as they could, basically. But Marty definitely believes the five-day office work week is no more. He's just not convinced about the true productivity of working from home. People need to be in the offices. People need this interaction. We saw it when we first brought our people back in June, even though we're out, they were out a couple of weeks or whatever. Uh, the first reaction was, wow, this is refreshing to be back together. Uh, they missed the interaction. They missed, um, they missed being together. They missed um, uh, the little interactions that happen when you're in person because when you're on a Zoom call, it's sort of a singular purpose meeting. And when you're in a conference room together, you have that meeting and then afterwards you talk about 16 other things. Mm -hmm. um, and so all that was happening, they're like, wow, it's refreshing to see everyone and have those interactions again. And so 
whether it's the younger folks learning from the older folks or from the you know, mid-level folks or the analysts, uh, you know, getting the, the associates to look over their shoulders on a model or something, um, or, you know, anyone popping into someone's office to ask them something about deal terms or about a lease or about this, that, or the other thing. It's, it's just, it's helpful to have people in person. You know, I feel like there's been a real shift in the tone. It used to be a flexible, do what you want, we're all kind of working with you employees. Now it's, it, it's kind of shifting to mandates. Is that what you're getting from your tenants, that they're mandating returns? More and more of them, because they have less and less options to, to go elsewhere. And that's what the employers are worried about, losing their employees. And if they have less and less options to go to the next employer that's going to offer them that opportunity, they have the ability to make that mandate. Does anyone at Celestine work from home? Uh, I think what we said was in, in each group, up to, it's up to the manager if they can work one day a week uh, remotely besides the Friday that they have optional. Mm. So it was kind of pretty much a blanket, everyone back in. Everyone's definitely back in. Was anyone mad about that? <laughs> Uh, I'm sure some people that have There's commuting, no yeah, I'm, no, I'm sure people were not happy about it, but, that, but so what? <laughs> they have to come to work. You know, I'd love to be out in the Hamptons every day and, and work from there and have my office out in the, uh, the beautiful country. That'd be fantastic, but I, I couldn't walk around the office and see how all of my partners and colleagues are doing. That, you know, that would, I know Larry wouldn't be happy about it. I know I wouldn't be doing my job effectively if I did that. And by the way, all the people that I'm asking to be in the office. How fair is that if I'm asking them to be in the office and I'm sitting out in the Hamptons and I'm you know, trying to manage them from there? What do you say to those people who say I'm more effective at home? I mean, not obviously at Silverstein, but there is that, that trend of people saying, I do my job better, I have a better life. I don't know that people are actually more effective at home. Um, I know that in our company, there's no way they could be more effective at home in the totality of, of their job. Now, for some companies, maybe it works. If you're an insurance salesman and you don't have to deal with people in the office because you have your own book and you're just dealing with clients, maybe that works. But that doesn't work for our firm. So it sounds like people are adapting. What are the other things that you've changed or you think differently about? Because we all think differently about things since the start of the pandemic. How has your thinking on the office evolved? Well, I think the work week has changed. Um, you know, it may not be a Monday through Friday work week. You know, we have a, a tenant who's the top consulting firm in the world, McKinsey, and they're in Three World Trade Center. Um, their, uh, their employees are, are out on the road mostly Monday through Thursday. So I think Friday, they're mostly all in the office because I think they, that's the day that they're all supposed to be in the office. Whereas um, here, we have an optional day not to be in the office on Friday, and everyone's in the office Monday through Thursday. And so you'll see you know, different firms do different things with the work week. It's not a five-day work week anymore. If the headlines are to be believed, the bosses are serious this time about employees making a regular appearance at the office. Well, in the meantime, the return to office getting real for Goldman Sachs employees. The New York Post reporting that the bank is dropping all COVID protocols and requiring employees to be back in the office five days. Goldman Sachs has got rid of its office vaccination requirement. Ally Financial has told its workers in recent weeks they must come in regularly. Apple, Prudential Financial, BMO Financial Group, they're all working on wider returns to the office this month. At tech startup Otter, which is owned by Uber's Travis Kalanick, workers have been reportedly told they need to start coming in on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays if 
their commute is an hour or less. So there's certainly a lot of companies that are trying to push for more uh, return to office experiences and really trying to get employees to come back to the office to a greater degree. Uh, and there's recent announcements by some technology companies that were pushing this as well and really trying to get people to come back to the office. Uh, but what we're finding is there's also a variety of other companies that are still going the opposite direction, that are saying no just to keep working as flexibly as you want. That's Brian Kropp. He's the Vice President of Research at Gartner's HR practice. His data shows that around 20% of employees who have the ability to do their job remotely are working from home every single day. 25%, that's a huge number. Nearly 60% of employees with remote work capacity are working on some version of hybrid. And within that hybrid group, 70% of those have bosses that have told them they're mandating the exact days they need to be in. That remaining 30% are working for companies who tell them just come in whenever it works. So essentially someone who's in the office full time if their job actually would allow them to work remote is extremely, incredibly rare at this point. So where exactly is this story about the bosses forcing people back coming from? I think it's coming from some CEOs who fundamentally believe that uh, employees need to be in the office for a couple of reasons. One, uh, they talk about a lot is culture. Uh, and they want people to be in the office to build the culture that they wanna have. And, and they view that, building that culture, the only way to do it is to be together. And they're partially right and partially wrong on that front. What we find is that when employees are never together, that their relationships do weaken, their culture does suffer. But the solution is not to be together all of the time. So Brian says many CEOs are overshooting the target. They want everyone back for something that's pretty understandable. Being together helps build a culture and build collaboration. So their hearts are in the right place. It's just that many CEOs want a lot of office work when they really just need a little bit. So the question is, why? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. I, and where some employees go to is because they're jerks. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I don't think most CEOs are jerks. We can obviously find some out there that uh, for whatever reason are like, that guy or that gal's a jerk. I think what it comes from is a sense that a lot of people have, which is, well, this is how it worked for me, so this is how it should work for other people. And what a lot of senior leaders do, they, they've been incredibly successful. They've gotten promoted a lot. They've moved up in the organization a lot. They've had amazing experiences. They've done wonderful things. They, if they hadn't done that, they wouldn't be a CEO somewhere. And what their mindset is, and, and this is where I think their heart is in the right place, is to say, well, these experiences that I had all occurred in person. And they confound the experience with the proximity. And so they kind of say, well, this is how it's always been done. So this is how it always should be. Trying to hit a perfect return to work policy is a waste of time, Brian thinks, because there's so much unpredictability about the office right now. Instead, companies should just be focusing on what philosophies drive the company. Ultimately, he's of the view that the occupancy that we have right now is very unlikely to change, even if there is a major downturn in the economy. He just doesn't subscribe to that view that Labor Day or fall will mean much at all. I think um, employees have gotten so comfortable working from home that expecting them to go from mid-40s to high-70s is a bridge too far. Uh, 
And the reason why I believe that's the case is that most organizations have not answered that fundamental question. Why is working from the office better than working from home? And frankly, in most cases, they haven't addressed that situation. They haven't answered that fundamental question. Uh, so the numbers might tick up a little bit, but frankly, they've been uh, in the 40s for many, many months. They were in the 40s back in the spring when school was in session. Why did people not come back then? And what do we expect to be different now? Are we banking on a recession as the reason why people come back to work from the workplace? Like we're rooting for a bad economy so people come to work from the workplace. That, that seems wrong and a little bit evil uh, in some levels. Uh, so we're going to threaten people to do it. You know, I, I maybe it gets up to 50, low 50s, uh, but I have a hard time barring some sort of uh, unforeseen and unpredicted significant change to the economy, that that number is going to move much higher than that anytime in the near future. Inland Green Capital can provide funds for commercial CPACE projects and is a leader in advancing clean energy and sustainability for the U.S. real estate sector. Funding CPACE projects is more than just a business at Inland Green Capital. It's an opportunity to demonstrate forward leadership and introduce the industry to sustainable initiatives. CPACE projects can stimulate economic prosperity, assist underserved areas, reinforce community resiliency, and drive clean energy benefits. Head to inlandgreencapital.com. Inland Green Capital, investing in a green future. In New York, the MTA says ridership on buses and subways has gone up. So on Tuesday, for example, the day after Labor Day, there was actually a 26% increase on subways and buses compared to the day after Labor Day last year. On the Long Island Railroad, there was a 38% increase. On the Metro North, it was up 44%. So it's getting better, but consider what it was like before the pandemic. So there were 3.1 million rides on the subway last Tuesday. That represents a 58% drop on a typical day before the pandemic. But for Scott Reckler, who's the CEO of RxR Realty, which owns some 17 office buildings in the city, the increase in numbers on the subway is showing up on the buildings too. Yeah, it's, it's been, you know, uh, pretty extraordinary. I would say that um, from uh, any time since COVID has begun, I have not seen as much activity in our lobbies um, even, you know, little things like having to actually wait for elevators or having elevators stop on multiple floors on our way up to the office at 75 Rock. We're in the 14th floor, so we're not even at the top. And, you know, three or four stops along the way. And people, even for the first time, trying to figure out how to uh, use our new um, building access systems because they haven't been there in two years, right? So you could see our our concierge is actively working with people. It was, like, it was very much like the first day of school, but it was the first day back to the office and uh, a lot of energy um and um you know and, and i think the, the you're and it, it, not only are you seeing it on the in the buildings but you're seeing it on the streets you're seeing it in the restaurants in the midtown buildings rxr is seeing a 25 percent increase in office occupancy or thereabouts but it's slower depending on the type of industry that populates the building the buildings sort of in rock center and midtown that are more driven by financial service firms and law firms um, you know, I think we're seeing more activity there. Our Midtown South uh, buildings, like at Starrett, we're seeing an uptick, but still, you know, some of the tech companies are a little bit slower, and they're they're starting to 
bring people into uh, to to the the buildings, but they're not mandating it like the the um, you've seen with the banks and the financial service firms in in many cases. So that's I think um, you know an element. The other thing I think that's been interesting is not only people coming back to the office. We've seen um, in all of our buildings. Uh, many um, events at the end of work days, right? So they're not just coming back to work. They're also having social and convening events um, at the end of the day. Um, and we saw that on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday in multiple of our, our buildings. So, you know, this concept of, of really being intentional, of bringing people back to work, but also bringing people back together uh, in the workplace and, um, and you know, reigniting those, those physical bonds that um, have been uh, neglected during this period of time. Um, is, is playing itself out as well. Scott says he has his eyes open. It's impossible not to have felt some anxiety about the companies talking about being remote forever. But he thinks ultimately, yes, there is going to be a seismic shift in the office market, but the well-equipped buildings are still going to do well. There's no doubt there's a psychological change um, of, of companies that really looked at Labor Day as the moment of change, right? The public health crisis is under control, uh, whether that's the vaccinations or the the therapeutics or just the level of comfort that people have, realizing even if you have COVID, you know, you're going to be sick, but you're going to be able to move forward, right? And so that's the one. The second, I think the economic environment has changed and, uh, you know, where people can just look at their numbers and say, well, everything's going great. Why change anything? That's not really the case right now, right? You're seeing profit margins starting to be squeezed. You're seeing economic uncertainty out there. And so it's a little bit more of an all hands on deck that the managers and the C-suites are demanding of their of their team members. And then the labor market is loosening, right? And while it hasn't really shown up as much in the published numbers, the anecdotal side of it is is pretty meaningful. When you talk to people in the tech world, you know, they always, they were for the last number of years, they could quit and have 10 job offers. Now they're, you know, they're worried about, um, you know, being, uh, you know, let go, or if they start with a new firm, they're at the low end of the totem pole, or if they don't have FaceTime with their, with their uh, managers, and there is going to be a reduction in force, are they going to be the first ones to be um, uh, released because they haven't had that connectivity? So I think the tug of war between the C-suite and the uh, employee pool has shifted, and the C-suite, I think, has more pull right now than uh, at any time. RxR2, though a staunch supporter of the office, is allowing workers to be remote on Fridays. It's something that workers have come to cherish, and that policy, which has never been abused, Scott says, is set in stone. Our sort of view is that we want to create that right work-life balance, and if people can use that Friday um, to, to work remotely, be closer to home, get things done, start their weekend off in a little bit more of a relaxed setting, then, um, you know, we want to in- encourage that. And, uh, and again, you know, that we think that drives better productivity, better bonds to our organ- organization and, and consistent with our values. Did you ever think that you would be uh, the CEO overseeing a flexible Friday? Um, no, I absolutely did not. And that's, and it's interesting, um, Aaron, because, the, you know, it's, even some of my, um, you know, I would say more strict um, conservative, um, you know, members of my management team, as we began to discuss whether or not we would reverse this, as you heard the Goldman Sachs changes and everything else, the view was, let's not reverse it. This is something that, um, you know, people um, have learned to cherish, and it's something that uh, people haven't abused. 
when you talk to people about the return to office, it's become two kind of different camps. One that's really kind of got even more divided, not less, as time has moved on. There's a labor resistance brewing in the core of Apple. On Monday, the company. The employees have the power. The war for talent is over, and the talent. Does not commuting make up for all the great things that go into uh, being with your coworkers? Jay, do you think that that can be done and there's a new normal and we're never going back to people showing up in the office? Well, well, look, Janet. Sheila Subramanian, who's the vice president and co-founder of the Future Forum, a consortium backed by Slack, says their research indicates that, yes, a number of people who are back at the office is at an all-time high, but the number of people who want to go back to the office is at an all-time low. So there's a big disconnect, she says, between mandates and worker sentiment. They're less interested in coming back to the office full-time. That said, you know, uh, there is a role for the office. People do want to come in to connect with their coworkers, uh, to collaborate, to just build the culture within, within their organizations. But they don't necessarily understand the why behind having to come back to how things used to be in 20, early 2020 and, and 2019, especially given that they've shown that they're able to work and be productive in a distributed way over the course of the past two years. Sheila says, What's behind that resistance is that many people have completely reevaluated how work fits into their identity. But what we've also seen is a complete reevaluation among employees about the role of work in their lives. Prior to the pandemic, the conversation was oftentimes, how is my life going to fit into my work? And now the conversation is, how is my work going to fit into my life? People have found ways to fill that office-shaped hole in their own identities by getting more involved in their communities, by getting more involved with their family and friends. And they don't want to go back to commuting and coming into the office full-time just to show that they're working. They want to be treated like grown-ups. According to the Future Forum, the people who want to come back full-time and want others to do the same tend to be white, they tend to be men, and they tend to be executives. And the group's research also shows that those who feel like their bosses aren't being transparent about their return to work policies, like not being clear about what might happen down the track, are four times as likely to look for a new opportunity. I think that there is an underlying tension about what the role of a leader is moving forward. There's so much conversation about power and who has the power. And I encourage those listening to shift their mindset to think more about trust. How do you trust your employees? Over the last two and a half years, what, what employees have seen is that they, ha- they can have more choice in how they work and they can be as or more productive in terms of how they do their jobs. They want to be trusted. Whereas many leaders want to go back to how things used to be because that's where they're most comfortable. That's where they've gained their experience. It's not leading distributed teams. It's having everybody in the office checking to see what time people come in, checking to see what time people leave, and, and ultimately um, have the feeling of security that, that they're working. But, but my question for, for executives who are saying people don't want to work anymore is, how are you defining work? Is it being in the office full-time or is it actually producing outcomes and value for the business? Because what we're seeing in that tension is how we're defining work. Employees want to work on their own terms whereas many executives want to go back to how things used to be. And it's critical for leaders to really embrace this new way of working and also start leading with trust for their employees. 
The continued push and pull between employers and employees is what's going to define the next few months, according to Sheila, and we'll continue to cover it here at BizNow. More stories on our website about the office and plenty of other subjects. I'm Miriam Hall. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can even rate us and give us a review. 